by episode two, I had my first volunteer. By episode eight, I had 10 volunteers. And then, like I said, I had 20 people over two years who worked for free for me. So as soon as I started my agency, I just hired those folks. And a lot of those folks are now my partners. They've got equity, they're team leaders, and so on. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible. One that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Welcome to another episode of Online Marketing Made Easy. Do I have a treat for you? If you're here, my guess is that you're a fan of podcast, which is why I know you are going to love today's episode. I've invited my friend Hala Taha to join me today. Hala is truly the definition of a go-getter. Like, just wait, you're going to say, Amy, you are absolutely right about that. She's accomplished so much at a really young age, and I just have to say, I am blown away by her, and I know you will be too. Now, if Hala is new to you, she is the host of the Young and Profiting podcast, which you've probably seen topping the Apple business charts all the time. She's going to talk about how she does that in this episode. She is the founder of Yap Media, Young and Profiting, Y-A-P, Yap Media, the number one self-improvement podcast network that represents all the top CEOs and business minds, such as Trent Shelton, Jenna Kutcher, Julie Solomon, and I'm excited to say myself. We've recently started working with Hala, and it has been an amazing experience. So I'm part of her podcast network. She is also a LinkedIn influencer. Did that pique your interest? We are absolutely going to talk about some of the strategies she uses on LinkedIn, not only to grow her business, but to grow her podcast. Wait till you hear about the strategy she uses to get on the top charts of Apple Podcast 
using a LinkedIn strategy. Just wait for it. She literally tells you how she does it in this episode. I love Hala's story because she really took her career into her own hands. Before Yap Media, Hala worked at a big corporate company and was passed up for a promotion that she really wanted. So after realizing she was quite literally letting somebody else determine her career path, she decided to grab hold of it herself and start a side hustle. You know, I love a side hustle, which was her podcast, Young and Profiting. We dive deeper into her story, so keep listening. We also talk about her most effective podcasting tips, how to monetize your podcast, how to up-level your presence on LinkedIn, and her advice for anyone that is wanting to start a podcast but just hasn't done it yet. All right, please help me welcome Hala to Online Marketing Made Easy. Well, hey there, Hala. Thanks so much for being here. Amy, I'm so pumped for today. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness, I am too. So here's the deal. I've been really excited to have you on the show for many reasons. Like we could go in so many directions, but here's what I wanna do. I want you to take me back to the beginning. You decided to leave your corporate career to follow your entrepreneurial dreams. I wrote a whole book about how to do that, so I'm always fascinated in terms of what it looked like for someone else. So when did you know it was the right time to make the transition? Yeah, so I left my corporate job during COVID. So it was actually about three months to COVID starting and everybody started working from home. At the time I was working at Disney streaming services and I was running their whole email marketing team. And I had a great job, it was a cushy job, but I also had this podcast that I had started two years prior that was really starting to blow up. A month after I quit my job, I got on the cover of podcast magazines. So like, I, I knew that things were like really about to take off. And then suddenly, I found myself with so much more time. I no longer had an hour-long commute from Brooklyn to Manhattan back and forth. So I had two extra hours a day. And at the same time, I started paying attention to my potential customers. So the guests that would come on my show, they would always ask me at the end of the show, Hala, who does your LinkedIn? Hala, how did you build this podcast? Do you have a team? And I actually had a team of 20 volunteers that worked for free for me for two years. What? And so I would tell them, like, I'm so sorry. I can't help you. I've got just a volunteer team. I have a full-time job. I don't, I don't have anybody to help you. They're, everyone's busy with my show. And Heather Monahan's actually my first client, still my client. And she wouldn't leave me alone. Uh, she kept messaging me on LinkedIn, DMing me on LinkedIn. Holla, who does your videos? You have to teach me how to do these videos. And so I wanted her to be my mentor. She was somebody that I looked up to. And I was like, okay, I'll teach you on the weekends how to do these videos. And I'll teach you how I run this podcast, like everything that I'm doing. She got on a call with me and she's like, Holla, I showed her my templates, our Slack channel, our drive. Holla, your stuff is better than Gary Vee's team. I just had a call with VaynerMedia. She's like, I want to be your first client. You can't tell me no. And I found myself with this time and I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So Heather was my first client, and then my second client was a billionaire, and it was a $30,000 retainer. So it just skyrocketed, and then I got Kara Golden, the CEO of Hintwater, and then the next client after the next client. Okay, that is wild. Wait, I have to go back. This wasn't <laughs> even one of the questions I was going to ask you. What are you talking about 20 full-time or 20 uh, volunteers? What does that even look like, and how did that even come about? So when I first started my podcast, I started it as a side hustle. And I decided to start my LinkedIn journey when I decided to start my podcast. And so I was posting consistently every day on LinkedIn. And a lot of people were sleeping on the platform at this time. This was about six years ago. 
And so I started to acquire all these fans. And within like a year, I was the most popular podcaster on LinkedIn. And so I had all these super fans and they would tell me like how much I changed their life. All I did was just be of service and just educate people and try to help people. And they'd say, how can I help you? How can I make this podcast bigger? And so I had like one guy from Estonia. I knew how to do everything because I'm a marketer and I've just been in this world since I was 17 years old, basically. And so I would teach somebody how to build my website. Then I'd teach one person how to do my videos. I'd teach another person how to do my social. I'd teach another person how to handle the email. And I would just teach all these people and I put them in a Slack channel by episode two. I had my first volunteer by episode eight I had 10 volunteers and then like I said I had 20 people over two years who worked for free for me so as soon as I started my agency I just hired those folks and a lot of those folks are now my partners they've got equity they're team leaders and so on wow okay I've never heard of such a great success story in that way so take me back to you starting a podcast while you were still at a nine to five what inspired you to start this podcast why did you do it Well, I always wanted to be a voice, a positive voice for my generation. I always knew that I was going to use my voice in some way, but it always evolved over time. So when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a singer. And all I loved to do was sing and write songs. And even in college, I was recording music. I thought I was going to be a singer. Then I got an internship at Hot 97 in college. And I actually dropped out of college for two years to be Angie Martinez's assistant producer. And it started as an internship, and then I became Angie Martinez's assistant, and I dropped out of school, and I learned about broadcasting, and I saw, like, the number one on-air personality and how successful you could be. And then I started these online radio shows on the side, and I started doing commercials for Hot 97 and loved broadcasting, and I realized that this is something that I could really lean into. So I dropped the music thing, and I thought, okay, I'll be an online personality. I wanted to be in radio. I ended up getting, you know, not getting a job at Hot 97 and worked for free basically for three years. And so I left that and I started a blog and this blog was called The Sorority of Hip Hop. It blew up. I ran it for about three years. I had 150 female bloggers under me and we ended up getting signed by MTV and they were going to have a TV show about our company. We were like an events company, a hip hop blog, The Sorority of Hip Hop, and I was the president. Okay. So MTV filmed us the whole summer summer of 2013 or 2014 and two weeks before they were supposed to air the show was right after Jersey Shore ended they pulled the plug and at this point this was six years of me basically working for free just learning all these skills but still working for free and once MTV pulled the plug I was like devastated and I just thought okay maybe this is not for me I'm never going to be famous maybe I just need to be normal I have three siblings, they're all doctors. And everybody was like in med school and like here I was like working for free at a radio station, like just like totally the black sheep of my family. And so then I was like, okay, let me just be normal. So I went and got my MBA. I got uh, an internship at Hewlett Packard that turned into a job. And then I ended up staying there for about four years and I was crushing it at HP. I was the face of the young employees, president of the young employee network, all this kind of stuff. Always like building communities and always had like a community around me. And essentially was doing the same thing that I was doing outside of HP. In HP, I became like famous with, with inside this company, which was like a small country. Like at the time, it was like 300,000 people or 600,000 people in the world, right? So it's like I was like leading this like little small tribe in HP. Then I didn't get this opportunity that I wanted in HP of being the global young employee president. Long story that we don't need to go into. And I decided that, okay, I've got all this time again because I'm not like volunteering within HP. I'm going to start this podcast instead of leading 7,000 young employees across HP. I'm going to lead 70,000, 7 million, whatever it is. And I started this podcast. 
Whoa. Okay. First of all, you're just a natural go-getter. You definitely were born with a little magic in that area. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you haven't worked your butt off to get where you are today. But it's really fun to hear you just, you just go after it. Like there is this opportunity. I did that. And then there's this opportunity. I did that. I love that energy. So first of all, just like, thank you. I hope that just rubs off on all of us today because it gets you kind of excited. So First of all, very cool. Number two, you've been called the princess of podcasting. And so I want to talk about some podcasting tips. So many of my listeners want to start a podcast or they have a podcast. So this is going to be relatable to many people listening right now. So since the beginning, the pod, your podcast has ranked at the top of the charts. I see you at the top every single time I look at ranking. So Please, I might be asking this selfishly as well, but can you share your secrets on the specific strategies or approaches that you've taken to consistently rank in the top podcast directories like Apple Podcasts? 100%. So every podcast directory has a different algorithm. When it comes to Apple, really all they care about is new daily subscribers. And this algorithm has changed over time. So at one point it had to do with like reviews and the amount of daily reviews that you get. But today it has nothing to do with downloads. It has nothing to do with reviews. It only has to do with the number of daily subscribers that you get. So I've decided to kind of hack this, right? And so on LinkedIn specifically, you can send out thousands of DMs a day. So I have my team sending out 2,500 DMs a day on LinkedIn targeting entrepreneurs. You can search people by title and so on. And we promote a new episode. And we do this in like really creative ways. So for example, if someone is signing up for a negotiations event, registering for an event on LinkedIn about negotiation, we'll reach out to them. Hey, I noticed you're registering for this negotiation event. I just interviewed Chris Voss and I'd love for you to check out this new episode. How did you like it? If they respond back with positive feedback, we then ask them to rate the podcast. And we have this like little DM campaign that's going on literally 24-7 on LinkedIn. Whoa. Okay. That is a very cool strategy. I love that. And you have people obviously doing it for you. So you now don't have to do all of that. Yeah. But- I feel like that is powerful. And that's something that maybe not at the scale you're doing, but some of my listeners who are just getting started, that's something they can get scrappy and do even if they spent an hour a day on something like that. 100%. When I was by myself or just like my team of small volunteers, I used to be doing this by myself in LinkedIn. And then the same strategies that I I used back then, we just do it at scale now, just 24-7 instead of just me a couple hours a day. So cool. Okay. So because you have dominated your podcast, like it is always at the top, like I said, but always just really great guests, really great content. Tell me this, what are some mistakes that you see podcasters, either early podcasters or people that have been at it for a while? What are some common mistakes you see them making that like right away? You're like, Ooh, you shouldn't be doing that. Number one, I feel like people repeat the same things over and over again, and they think they're going to get a different result, but they just keep getting the same result. So I'll give you an example. When I first started, I actually wasn't huge on Apple. I was trying really hard. And for two years, all I cared about was Apple, 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 until I stepped back and realized that there's actually 70 different apps out there and that I could become the top podcaster by dominating an app like CastBox, which right now I'm literally probably the number one podcaster on CastBox, right? And so I just started thinking of other strategies. I would, I would step back and think about 
what does it mean to be a successful podcaster? Does it only mean that I'd be the number one podcast on Apple? No, there's all these other apps that I could reach out to and get creative with. So I reached out to an app like CastBox and I said, hey, I've got this platform on LinkedIn. I've got, at the time, I have like almost 250,000 followers now on LinkedIn, but at the time I had like 60,000. And even then that made me an influencer. And I'd say, hey, I'll do a post for you on LinkedIn in exchange for you featuring me in your app, feature me in your banner to send out push notifications on my behalf or an email blast on my behalf. And then I looked at every single relevant podcast company whether it was my microphone or my hosting provider or any other podcast player, so Player FM, and I'd sent the same communication to all of them and literally they all sponsored me. And so what I had was just the whole podcast industry promoting my show in exchange for me promoting them on the platform that I had leverage on, which was LinkedIn. And then my podcast basically blew up and because I was getting all this exposure on all the other apps, people on Apple started to find me, or if they were going to listen on their phone, they might use Apple instead of on their computer, they might use CastBox or something like that. So then I started getting traction. So one of the biggest mistakes that I see people doing is just not thinking creatively enough in terms of why they aren't getting traction, why they aren't making money, why they aren't growing their podcast. They just keep doing the same thing and then they get no results. Okay. So I want to talk to you about monetizing a podcast, but I have to stop because you just fascinate me. And I got to know a little bit of your philosophy on success, meaning like a lot of really successful entrepreneurs, they have mottos or this is the what I live by, or this is kind of how I operate. Like I have one that's what is meant for me will find me. I just know I don't have to white knuckle everything. What is meant for me will find me. I got to get out there. I've got to make things happen. I got to take action. But what is meant for me will find me. And I believe that to my core. What are some things that you believe to your core that have gotten you to the success? Because I feel like you're fearless. I know you have fear. I know it comes up for you. You're human, but I feel like you just go for it. So talk to me a little bit about your mindset around success. The first thing that I thought of when you were saying that is how you do anything is how you do everything. So I I really put like my 150% in everything. I also think like skill stacking is a big part of it. Like I've done a lot of grunt work and I'm not afraid to learn and like go really deep where other podcasters, you were talking about mistakes, other podcasters, they might just get really good at interviewing, right? But it's like I figured out every little nook and cranny of marketing, every little nook and cranny of media buying, every little nook and cranny of monetizing. And I just figured it all out 130%, you know what I mean? Not leaving any stone uncovered. And if I didn't know the information and it wasn't available online, I would proactively try to get mentors who would teach me that information. Like Jordan Harbinger, for example, is one of my main mentors who taught me so much about media buying and growing podcasts and so on. And so I would always like get to the point where I would like exhaust every resource that I had. And then if I didn't have that information, I'd make sure to seek it out. So always willing to learn. And then lastly, like I kind of have a chip on my shoulder. You know, I grew up Arab American, Palestinian American. I saw my dad literally come from Palestine from nothing and became chief of surgery of two hospitals in New Jersey and started a medical center. And he passed away during COVID, but he was a total, total badass. And so it's like just having that role model and feeling like, all right, well, I kind of was born comparatively with a silver spoon in my mouth. I better like 100x all the blessings that I've been given. And I really, really like 
growing teams and helping people in their careers. And like, for me, when people ask me, like, where do you see your company? All I can think about is like, I just want to grow my team. I just want to grow my business. I want to grow my impact. It's not about like making a certain amount of money or achieving a certain thing. It's just like, how big of an impact can I make? How many lives can I impact? Oh, well, I feel it in everything you do. And I love that you want to know about it all. You're so right. We sometimes get so narrow focused where you have a really good understanding of all things podcasting, which is why you've been so successful. And I can't wait to talk about your podcast network because that's yeah. going to be new to a lot of people. But before we get there, let's first talk about monetizing a podcast. A yeah. lot of people that come to me and say, I want to start a podcast, they'll say, but Amy, how do I make money with it? And how long should I wait before I start to monetize my podcast? So can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. So there's a few different ways to monetize your podcast. The first way that you can monetize your podcast, and this is the first way that I did, is actually through the guests that come on your show. And this is a really smart strategy because then you don't need to worry about the number of downloads that you have. It's not how big your show is. It's the quality of the guests that you have and the content that you have. So if you have some sort of service business, and if you can think of a podcast where you actually interview your perfect client, then you're making those authentic connections. And this will often lead to business without you even trying. So for example, right now, the people who come on my podcast, they end up being my social media clients, my media buying clients, or even my podcaster network clients. Because right here. Oh, yep, a lot of people like Amy, who came on my show, we make a great connection. And I almost never pitch anyone. It's just they find out and then they're like, well, can you help me with LinkedIn? Can you help me with this? And I'm like, yeah, let's have a call. And then it just leads to business. So I didn't intentionally create my podcast this way. That's what happened organically. But you could be strategic and intentionally create a podcast to attract your perfect clients. So that's number one. If you want to get sponsorships, you need to be a certain size. So typically you need to have at least 100,000 downloads a month or 25,000 downloads per week. And then essentially you get paid per commercial. And you can make money because you essentially stack the commercials. So let's say an hour-long podcast has six mid-roll commercials that you can sell. You get paid per commercial based on the number of impressions or downloads that you can deliver. And then you get paid for those sponsorships. So that's one way that you can monetize uh, by getting sponsorships. And then lastly, selling your own products, services, or affiliates by similarly creating a commercial. And then you would just promote whatever affiliate you have or whatever course you're, that you have going on and try to monetize it that way. Um, but I would say it's definitely harder to try to acquire those listeners. It is not easy to get to 100,000 downloads a month, especially in 2023. So I would suggest that you start off with trying to create some sort of business around your podcast where you make money off your guests. So then you can then invest in your podcast to grow it. And then you can make money off sponsorships as well. I didn't even think of that angle. Like it was so seamless, but that is such a great idea where you're inviting people that would be great clients of yours. And you're right. You didn't even pitch me. I had known you had worked with some of my friends. I knew they were getting great results. So then when I met you on the podcast, I'm like, this girl's on fire. Like we've got to work with her. So yeah, it worked like a charm with me. And I'm sure it's worked like, <laughs> like that with other people. So I give I'm you all the props. So I want to talk about your business now. So you've got your podcast, but you also have Yap Media. So did your podcast lead you? Well, I guess you did say this. It They are definitely connected, but how was the idea of the media company started? Yeah. So basically, everything that I figure out for myself, I then just roll out to my clients. That is basically my recipe. I figure it out for myself, and then we just roll it out to my clients. So first, I figured out LinkedIn, and then I had LinkedIn services. 
Then I figured out podcast production and we do end to end podcast production. Oh, wow. Where it's like guest outreach, scripting, questions, editing, the videos. We did the whole nine for Young and Profiting. And we're like a really smart, scrappy team at Yap Media. Like we've got SOPs for everything. We're just all big nerds and just really passionate about everything that we do. And so we figured out podcast production. We made it operational and then we rolled it out, right? So same thing with the network. I started producing three other shows, Heather Monahan. Uh, I had another show, True Underdog, and my show. And I started monetizing my show, figuring out sponsorships. And I had no playbook. So I actually had an advantage because I was selling sponsorships across all my channels. I was selling Clubhouse sponsorships even for like the year that Clubhouse was out. I made like a hundred grand off Clubhouse, like just before my podcast was even huge, like just figuring, just selling Clubhouse sponsorships, LinkedIn sponsorship, podcast sponsorships, and I would sell cross channel. Now we're known, our network is known as like the main podcast network that actually can sell cross channel. And that's because I was doing it without learning what the industry was doing. I was just doing my own thing and being scrappy, right? So I started monetizing my show and three other shows and selling out. And before I knew it, I figured, oh my gosh, I have a network. And I just started studying how other networks work. How can I differentiate myself from them? And I figured it out and and launched my network. And all of these things for me started out really small. Like my network started out as a PowerPoint deck. I was sick with COVID over one Christmas. It was like last Christmas. I was sick with COVID and I was like, let me put together this deck and think about doing a podcast network. And now this year we're like the number one business and self-improvement podcast network and we've like built it all out. So it all just starts really small and I just add and add and add to it. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you wanna make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. 
And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Some people are listening there and they're like, but I still don't understand what a podcast network is. So can you explain that? Yes. Yeah, so podcast network is essentially my job is to get sponsorships for other podcasters and also to grow their show. So my job is to monetize and grow other podcasts in my network. So some of those responsibilities entail working with podcast agencies. There's about like 40 different podcast agencies trying to deepen my integration with them, working with the account reps, understanding what brands they represent, constantly having meetings with them and pitching them and so on. Then it's also just like trying to find brands that would fit our niche, which is self-improvement in business and trying to reach out to them directly. So creating like email campaigns and basically pitching them for sponsorships. Once we secure sponsorships, there's a lot of communications that go on with the podcasters where we deliver talk points. We have processes to collect the audio, to flight the audio, to report it out, to track it, and so on. So it's like basically securing the sponsorships and flighting them. And then also growing podcasts. So doing cross-promotional campaigns internally with other podcasters where essentially like I would do a commercial for Amy and she would do a commercial for me and hopefully we'd get more subscribers or coordinating swaps where like she goes on my show, I go on her show or even external network swaps where I might work with like Pushkin and promote my shows on there and then I'll promote their shows. So I also have a responsibility to try to grow our network or help people rank and give them advice in terms of how to grow their shows as well. Now, to run this business, you have over 50 full-time employees. Is that right? Like about 60 now, yeah. All over the U.S.? Everyone's virtual? Yeah, like I have uh, about 20 people in the U.S. and Philippines and India, the rest of the folks. Okay, growing this business, and it's not that old. So, you know, how many years old is the media company? Three years old, and then the network's like a year and a half. Okay, so fantastic. What if been some of your biggest challenges? Because we all have challenges growing, scaling our business. So what do you think your biggest challenges have been? So I think my biggest challenge with the social media agency, it's really talent heavy. So one of the things that I need to figure out is like, how do I scale Yap Media without having to always hire so many people? And it was getting like too cumbersome. And I just didn't want to have to always hire like five people every time I have five new clients or whatever it was, right? So I was trying to think of different ways to scale. So one of the ways that I did that is I have my LinkedIn masterclass where essentially I teach everything that I teach my team, but instead I teach other people's teams how to manage their own LinkedIn, or I'll teach individual entrepreneurs how to manage their own LinkedIn and I give them all the tools and they have a mastermind with me and everything like that. So that's one way that I've scaled it where now I don't have to necessarily always bring on on new clients because I really am being really strategic about the types of clients that I want. I only want clients now that also have podcasts so that there'll be a scalable account because otherwise that account will never grow. But if they're a podcaster, I can give them sponsorships and that account will grow, right? So it's like, I only want podcasters as my social clients. So scaling was the big problem. And then the network 
actually, we run the whole network with like six people. Oh, wow. And the network as of this quarter is like 54% of our business, right? So it's, it's blew up so fast. So that's very scalable. And that's another reason why my main focus now is the network because it's a more scalable opportunity. Oh, absolutely. So when people work with you, what do you think is one of the challenges someone that's going to invest in working with your company, where do they kind of get stuck? Because I've worked with a lot of agencies before and sometimes I just like, it takes a while to kind of get things going. So let's say someone's listening and they want to be a client of yours. Where are some areas that they might get stuck and something to think about? Yeah. So when it comes to people's personal brands and LinkedIn, I think where people get stuck is that they don't necessarily understand that with LinkedIn, it's not about the content that you write. It's about understanding the strategies and the algorithm and the tactics to post that content. Ooh, that's good. So it's really not about what you're writing. And so they get so stuck on like wanting to be really wordy and wanting to put the whole kitchen sink in their post. And they don't understand that like people don't like to do hard work on social media. People want to be skimmable. People want positive, motivational content. Typically, people don't want to be lectured. And so those are some of the mistakes that I see is that they want to make sure that they're being shown as an expert, but they don't realize that sometimes being lighter and just more vague and broader is actually how you're going to get more traction and go viral, specifically on social media. That makes sense. So I want to be clear, especially with people that want to inquire, and I'm not an affiliate or anything. I'm just a big fan of yours. So I I know people are going to be like, I got to reach out to her. You do LinkedIn just as LinkedIn. Like the podcast strategy you talked about is one thing you do, but you work with people just to grow their LinkedIn and use that to grow their business. Yes, 100%. So I have a social media agency, which is a white glove service, and and we're like pretty expensive, right? So it costs $10,000 a month at least to work with us. So it's not for everyone. Usually it's like really big entrepreneurs or big podcasters or something like this. Then I have my LinkedIn masterclass that's for everyone. So anybody can basically afford it. You're with me for two days and I teach you end to end what to do. And I give you all the templates and all the secrets, basically. You'll learn all the LinkedIn masterclass secrets in the class. And so you can get the training that way. And then my social agency also does Instagram, YouTube, podcast production. And then I have a podcast network, which is where I grow and monetize shifts. So you're not busy or anything. Oh, no. (laughs) Wow, that is so impressive. Let's talk about LinkedIn for a second, because I feel like it's been overlooked compared to Instagram, even Facebook and TikTok. But you have been like a LinkedIn influencer from very early on. So I know a lot of my listeners want to do more on LinkedIn. They tell me every day, my audience is on LinkedIn. I don't know what type of content to post. I don't know how to get engagement. So can you give us some growth and influence kind of tips and strategies? 100%. I can go on and on for days about LinkedIn tips and strategies. First of all, if you're not on LinkedIn, you're sleeping on LinkedIn. There's 135 million daily active users on LinkedIn. Whoa. Only 5% of those people are content creators. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. So there's so much opportunity. There's very little competition. So literally anybody can be the top person in their niche. And LinkedIn has so much organic reach. LinkedIn's algorithm is literally completely hackable at this point, right? So as long as you know the tactics and you know what to do and what not to do, you're going to like 10x your results immediately. 
I don't know any other social platforms right now where if you know the rules, you will get results. Like I said, it's not about your content. It's actually about how you post your content, your publishing and engagement strategies. That's what it's about on LinkedIn. So with all that said, some publishing and engagement hacks for you. Number one, like I mentioned before, LinkedIn actually has an algorithm that is scanning your post as soon as you post it up. So LinkedIn will put it into one of three categories, spam, low quality, or high quality. So spam is the usual suspects. So like profanity, nudity, tagging 20 people, tagging celebrities, using too many hashtags. On LinkedIn, you get penalized for using more than five hashtags. You get penalized for tagging more than three people, right? So you've got to follow those rules. Low quality is less obvious. So big chunky paragraphs, not allowed because LinkedIn knows that people are looking on their mobile device. It's scaled down. People are scanning through like nine posts and they're just skimming, right? They're moving fast. They, they're not going to read big chunky paragraphs. So right away, you'll be penalized. That's why on LinkedIn, you see this line by line style constantly, right? Another low quality tip to make sure you don't hit that is if you point to an external third party website. Because LinkedIn's goal is to keep users on the platform and engaged for as long as possible because they have ads that they're selling and they need to make sure users are online to see their ads. So if you take somebody to YouTube, LinkedIn's going to deprioritize your post because they want to keep people on LinkedIn. So you've got to put your link in the comments if you want to go viral on LinkedIn. That's one tip. And now when we're thinking about LinkedIn's priorities, what else do they do? they have jobs. They compete with Indeed and ZipRecruiter, right? So if you talk about hiring, recruitment, professionalism, entrepreneurship, LinkedIn's going to push your posts. Because actually the last step in LinkedIn's algorithm is human editors that are looking at the top posts of the day and they're aligning to LinkedIn's editorial agenda. If you're selling something, they're going to suppress you. If you're talking about hiring or recruitment or something that aligns to their editorial agenda, they're going to push you. And that's when you'll hit like 30,000 likes, 50,000 likes and go mega viral because you align to what LinkedIn wants to promote. And they're really monitoring their content. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. I'm definitely not as educated on LinkedIn as I am some of the other platforms. So that was just a quick education in it of itself. So I love that. I know a lot of my uh, students are going to want to learn more from you about LinkedIn. It's a, it's a big topic. So I'm glad we touched on that. Before we wrap up, I want to bring it back to podcasting. There's a lot of people listening that they want to start a podcast, but they haven't done so. They've been talking about it for six months or a year. So two questions. One do you think it's too late to really make an impact with a brand new podcast? And two, if not, then can you give some insight in encouraging people to just get it out there? Yeah, I definitely don't think it's too late to start a podcast. Six years ago, when I started my podcast, my friends, my boyfriend, my family, they said I was too old to start a podcast. I don't what? know what that means. Everybody said it was too late to start a podcast. And then two years later, I was on the cover of Podcast Mags. Uh, so take that. Yeah. So I think it's just all about how serious you are. Are you really determined? Because it is competitive. You're really going to have to do the work and not just the production work, the marketing work. I always say it's 50% production, 50% marketing focus. It's not, you know, 80% production. You've got to focus just as much on the marketing of it if you want to be successful, especially for the sponsorships route. So I'd say like, how serious are you about it? Because it's a lot of time, it's a lot of energy, and there's no point to do it if you're not going to do it right, in my opinion. Amen to that. 
If you have the time, I'd say go for it. Uh, but if this is going to be like something that you don't have a lot of time for, it's sort of like a side thought for you. Maybe there's another approach that you can take, like maybe starting an Instagram channel and doing reels instead or starting a TikTok or something that's sort of like a level below a podcast so that you can actually put the right amount of energy and focus on it that it needs. Oh, that's great advice too. Because kind of coming back to your motto, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you're going to start this and then do what I did my first year where like once a month I had an episode come out and then I wondered why it wasn't doing well. So I really do think consistency and showing up and putting 130% into it, which you've shown us what that can do, I think is a really big, great reminder from this podcast. So tell me this, what are you excited about? What's next for you? Well, I am really excited to continue to grow my network. I just signed awesome podcasters like you, Jenna Kutcher, John Lee Dumas. Just really excited about all the new shows and want to crush for them. And then I have my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass is coming up in January. And Amy, if you like, I'm happy to give a 35% off code to all your listeners if you want to do that. Yes, we will definitely. We're going to put it in the show notes. So anything you give me, I'm putting in the show notes. You can all find it amyporterfield.com forward slash 641 because I want to link up to all of the different offerings you have so people can kind of pick and choose. But a discount on a LinkedIn masterclass, my audience will absolutely take you up on that. Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, love it. Thank you, Hollis, so very much. Tell everyone if you could tell them one place to go to find out more about you and also remind everyone of the name of your podcast. Sure. My podcast is called Young and Profiting. It's often ranked as a top business and entrepreneurship show. You guys can find me on Instagram at yapwithhala, or you can check me out at yapmedia.io. Perfect. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Okay, so I hope you loved this episode as much as I have. Sometimes I interview people and it's a great interview, but I don't have major takeaways. It just happens sometimes. But I know that my audience will look at it through a different lens and get lots of value. But this one, this episode, oh, this one was for me just as much as it was for you, my friend. When she shared that LinkedIn strategy about how Apple podcasts are really just looking at daily subscriptions, like that's a big deal. Like that's great information to have. And also telling you exactly how she uses LinkedIn to get at the top of the charts like that, that's impressive. So I don't know. I just am walking away thinking there's so many good gems in this episode. So here's what I want you to do. At least act on one of them, whether it be to check out her masterclass for LinkedIn or maybe try that LinkedIn podcasting strategy she shared or maybe look at some of the things, the mistakes she said that most of us make with podcasting. Are you making any of them? Can you correct those? Go listen to this episode one more time if you need to. That's how good I think it is. And there's a lot of gems to walk away with. But more importantly, take action, my friend. Do something that you learned on this podcast because there is so much opportunity here. All right. If you know somebody who wants to start a podcast or is looking to get into more LinkedIn strategies, this is the episode for them. I'd be so grateful if you'd grab the link to this episode, send it to a friend, DM them, text them, post about it on social. I'd love to see your posts and so make sure you tag me. I'm just at Amy Porterfield on Instagram. So I hope that we can spread this episode far and wide to others that need it as well. I love you all to the moon and back. I'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye for now.